0: amen amen church have a seat thank you worship team guys we've been waiting uh, for a long while we've been talking about this but today is our first um yeah it's our first exodus series intro and so let us enjoy and let us begin with this short film
1: I remember when I first heard about the Exodus I was maybe like six or seven sitting in some Sunday school classroom hearing about a God who does miracles. The parting of seas, the dropping of food from heaven, the turning rivers into blood. I mean it was the stuff of legend and fairy tale and my imagination just soared. So I kind of grew up believing that when God delivers His people He does so by stepping into moments of human history in earth-shattering ways. That he, He steps into the worst moments of human suffering to change it in an instant. Well, I've come to learn, of course, that actually the greatest miracles God does is not the parting of the seas, the dropping of the food, the turning rivers red. The greatest miracles that God does are the small, almost imperceptible changes that happen inside of us. The things that on the surface appear almost inconsequential or meaningless, but when seen all together, create a story that actually is even greater than we could ever have first imagined. The Exodus story, as revealed to us in scripture, tells us that when it comes to God delivering his people out of their slavery and bondage and bringing them into freedom, it's not actually in those breathtaking moments that God does the deliverance. It's actually in the journey itself. In fact, it's in the journey, in all of its highs and its beauty, as well as its struggles and trials and hardship, that actually the deliverance itself occurs. And this tells us something very interesting about the Exodus narrative. That if it teaches us anything it teaches us this that God indeed is in the business of delivering his people that deliverance however may come in a form that we never first would have expected series I want to invite us on a journey of deliverance together as we trace the historical and spiritual footsteps of Israel as they journey from their slavery to their newfound freedom in the promised land some 400 miles away it's a journey with many twists and turns A journey of both joy and sorrow, of great hope and painful tragedy. It's a journey that will take us from these crowded streets of Cairo to the sacred tombs of Minya, to the shores of the River Nile, to the wide expanse of Sinai Desert, to mountain peaks of stunning beauty, to valleys barren and endless. It's a journey that will take us across the breadth of Egypt, right up through the land of Jordan, eventually into the heartland of Israel itself. And it's a journey that starts with you. You see, we all have a story of oppression. We all long to be free from the things that enslave us. So could it be that this ancient story of tragedy, slavery and oppression, and ultimately freedom and hope and love, is actually far more about you and your story than you ever realize? Our God is a God who longs to bring people out of slavery into freedom. He's a God of hope and goodness and promise. He's the God, in other words, of the one thing you need most, Exodus. There is something truly powerful about really being set free. There is nothing like it in this world about going from a place of slavery, a place of oppression, a place where you feel like you don't have personal choice, to a place of profound freedom and life. We had originally planned to do this series uh, about uh, four years ago, back in uh, sort of the fall of 2020. But this little thing called COVID had other plans and the whole thing got delayed. I've always thought that God has this uh, really quite sharp, ironic sense of humour, You know that a series all designed to teach us about freedom would get delayed by a virus that would drastically remove our freedoms. But perhaps this has happened so that we would come to a a fresher perspective of what freedom means for all of us. I mean, I think it would be drastically wrong to say that we've all been enslaved over the last couple of years. But... I think it would be right to say that we've all desired more freedom or desired personal choice, perhaps more than ever before. And in some ways, the journey we've had in the last two or three years has been like a microcosm of the actual Exodus story itself. And we've all experienced, haven't we, what it's like to live under painful restrictions. We've all experienced what it's like to to feel like our, our freedoms have been removed from us. We've had to journey for a while wondering who we are now living and how long we're going to have to live in this kind of environment. We've all had to grapple with the reality that change is out of our control. And and that the thing that might actually change this whole environment for us, we we have really no input to. We've had to live in those moments where suddenly it seems like hope is there. It seems like there might be a breakthrough and we think we're gonna emerge from this thing and yet we get thrown back into less freedoms again. We've all had to experience what it's like to see forces beyond our control, create new environments for us. And we've all felt like what it's like to come out into freedom and and find ourselves free once again and the, the joy of that and wanting to bring revenge to everything that's been taken from us. And yet recognizing that we still carry baggage with us and that we need to deal with the baggage from the past if we're truly gonna be free in our future. It seems in some ways that COVID has provided for all of us a framework by which we can actually enter into this book in more profound ways maybe than we never thought possible. And if we learn something from the Exodus narrative, we learn this, that God's timing is always perfect. And I feel like we're opening the pages of the story right at the right time in all of the pages of our own story. But while COVID has, I think, given us a fresh perspective in which we can approach this story, I want to actually challenge you today to a much deeper journey than the one that COVID could provide for you. Exodus as a book itself is really essentially about a journey in two of what I think are humanity's greatest discoveries. The journey of discovering who it is that is the creator of this universe and the journey of discovering who we are in response. Really, the whole book of Exodus is shaped around the discovery of those two journeys. Who it is that, that is God, who, who sits in the center of all of this universe, and who are we as a people in response to who He is? And really, if you, if you look at Exodus as a, as a book in its very core essence, it asks some of the most fundamentally important existential questions that I think we have in our shared humanity. Questions like this. Is there really a God? And if there is a God, does he actually care about our lives, particularly about our suffering? And if he does care, can this God come and deliver us from our suffering? And if he does deliver us from our suffering, then what have we learned or what can we learn about this God in the process of that deliverance? And if we are then delivered, and if we are then experiencing new freedoms, then how should we now live in relation to God, but also in relation to one another? These are the central questions that the Exodus narrative asks. And because these are the central questions of that narrative, they're also actually the central questions of Scripture. You see, when you study the book of Exodus, you're not just going back to a story that happened in the Old Testament to learn something about the God of the Old Testament. You're actually learning something about God today. You're actually learning something that is carried through throughout all the pages of Scripture that is actually then embraced by Jesus Christ Himself. It shouldn't be a wonder to us that the primary framework by which Jesus moves into His ministry is through the framework of the Exodus, His baptism. Going into the desert to be tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. Coming out of that into His promised land, the Galilee, teaching about this kingdom of God. Teaching His disciples how to pray in a prayer that specifically recounts the whole of the Exodus journey. And and then going to the cross in His death and resurrection that we celebrated last week in Easter. And Jesus taking on the imagery of the Exodus in His death and resurrection. And then the early church, as they try to sit in the profundity of what's just happened in the risen Christ, They start to create traditions within themselves like communion that echoes into the hope of the exodus and draws it forward to the hope of today. When you study exodus, you're really studying Jesus Christ. And when you're studying Jesus Christ, what you're really studying is God's work in the world right here and right now. Exodus is not just a story about a bunch of people in the past, it's a story about our city of Hong Kong today. Because God is the same yesterday today and tomorrow. I love as Emma sang to us so beautifully just a few moments ago, he never changes. And so the work that we see happen in the Exodus is the same work that we should expect to see happening in God present with us today. And the Exodus narrative takes us on a journey of two of these different ways of approaching these journeys, both communal an individual see if exodus is about anything it's about god working with a nation god seeing a community of people enslaved and oppressed by an evil empire god stepping into that out of compassion hearing their crying and their groaning to be set free And God taking a nation, a community and bringing them out of the darkness of their slavery and bringing them into the light of a new promised land. And in the journey of doing that, helping them to remove not just the slavery of the shackles of their physicality, but the slaveries that had shackled their hearts. And in doing that, God uses this nation, moves in this nation, forms this nation into a new nation that would show his glory to the world. And God does it step by step by bringing the nation together through it. The whole of the Israel community sees him part the seas. The whole of the Israelite community sees the fire transcend down on Mount Sinai. The whole of the Israelite community sees the manna fall from heaven so that they can eat in the desert. They communicate and experience it all together because in their shared human experience, they could come to know a greater appreciation of who God is. But the Exodus is also, importantly, individual and personal. We'll see next week that the journey begins by four incredibly brave individual women who decide to stand up against an empire and say, enough is enough. And then the story is shaped around an individual man, Moses, who himself is desperately in need of his own exodus one who is broken because of his past and needing redemption before god and then is used by god to go back and bring a, a nation in slavery and bring them into the fullness of their freedom And then throughout the journey, individual leaders arise. You have Aaron and Hur and Jethro and others that come to the fore and begin to show us that Exodus is not just about what God does in a nation. Exodus is about what God does in people because God changes nations through changed people. I believe he's still doing that today. And God will change our nation through changed people. this whole journey in Exodus for us as a church began five years ago. And it began uh, in a a time of prayer that I was having. Uh, I was uh, was actually walking uh, uh, along a road and I was just praying about us as a church. And I was asking God, what is it that's on your heart for us as a community? And as I was praying, I saw a picture. And in this picture, I saw a whole bunch of people worshiping, just like we were just a moment ago. A whole bunch of people just lifting their hands up in worship. But it was interesting because as people were lifting their hands up in worship, what I saw was was shackles that were around their wrists and a chain between their hands. And what I could tell was that this crowd was was very earnest in their worship. This crowd longed to, to bring their desire and their worship to God, lifting their hands earnestly before Him. But what I could also see was that they were overwhelmed, that they were being weighted down by the chains that were between their wrists that they weren't fully free to worship in the way in which they had so longed to be. And as I looked into this picture and as I continued to pray, I could see that the chain between the wrists of everybody were old chains. They were rusted and brown. It was as if the the thing that had been weighing them down was not a new thing. It had been around for a long, long time. And as I looked closely, I could see in the chains, these were not metal chains, the chains were words. And the words were different for every person. Some of the words were were names of specific sins. Some of the words were names of people, people's names. Other the words were names of cities or places or countries. Some of them were were names of emotions and things like that. And, And I could tell that it was just a statement of the thing that was keeping them in bondage from truly worshiping how they longed to worship. And as I saw this picture, I knew that God was speaking to me personally. I knew he was speaking to me about my own habitual sin, about some of the brokenness that I've carried around with me in my adult life, where maybe I've had seasons of victory and seasons where I felt like I've kind of overcome it, and then I would fall back into it again. Stuff that I know I carry where it's, it's like a slavery in me. And I wonder whether that might resonate with any of you in this room as well. I wonder whether you would you would consider yourself perhaps sometimes held back from fully worshiping God. Your heart's in the right place. You wanna be a Christian. You wanna walk in the world in that way. You wanna offer God your greatest glory and yet something is holding you back. And you, you know that that sometimes as your hands are up that there's a heaviness on your heart. And despite how the fact that you've, you've tried to shake this thing, you've tried to remove it from you, it still seems to remain. And if that is you here today, then... This whole series is for you. Everything we're gonna do over the next 25 weeks is all designed not just for us to learn something about some exodus in the past, but for us to actually journey on an exodus ourselves. For us to realize that we don't wanna be carrying those weights around with us anymore, the baggage that might be with us, the chains that might be holding us back. For us to realize that there is actually a way in which God can deliver his people. And if he did it then, he can surely do it again the hope that we might have inside of us for the movement of God inside of us. That we would realize that when we read about the Exodus, we're not just reading about God doing something for a people in the past. What we're reading about is God wanting to do something for all people in all time. God expressing who he is for all time so that we would come into a greater sense of freedom no matter when it is that we come to worship. See, we serve a God who's not the God of the Exodus of the past, but who's God of the Exodus today. Come on church, the God of the Exodus today, right here, right now. There is no sin in this world that Jesus Christ cannot help you to overcome. I wanna say that again, because I don't know if you heard it. There is no sin in this world that Jesus Christ cannot help you to overcome. There is no slavery that is more powerful than the name of Jesus. There is no Pharaoh that God cannot bring to his knees. There is no empire that God cannot overcome. There is no sea that God cannot part. There is no mountain that God cannot shake. There is no desert that God cannot provide in. There is no promised land that God cannot conquer. He's the God of the exodus. And because he's the God of the Exodus, he's at work right here, right now. You have not come for 25 weeks of some visually engaging films for you to be entertained or for you to learn something new about the biblical book of Exodus. You've come for biblical Exodus yourself. Come on, church. That's his heart for you. And that journey starts today. Starts right here. Some of those old rusty chains are about to break. God starts the journey with Israel by explaining to him his heart for Exodus and the process by which he does Exodus. And when God explains it to Israel, he's not just explaining it for them, he's also explaining it for us so that we would still know the way in which he does Exodus in us today, both individually and also communally. And I wanna read this to you. It's, it's from Exodus chapter six. It's a little bit into the story. God's come and appeared to Moses. He's told him to go back to Egypt to, to tell the people that he's gonna deliver them to stand before Pharaoh. Moses has gone and done that a few times. Pharaoh's ignored him and rejected him. But God continues to bring the promise of his exodus. And this is the moment where God speaks that out over the Israelites themselves. It's Exodus six, starting in verse six. Therefore say to the Israelites this, I am the Lord and I will bring you up out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God then you will know that I am the Lord God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give it to you as a possession for I am the Lord. What he does here is he he actually gives us five movements that he does in Exodus. These are the five movements that the whole book of Exodus is based on. And they're the five movements that I'm gonna base the whole series on. And we're gonna go through these five movements together over these 25 weeks. And these are the five movements that God will use in your life today to set you free from the things that seek to enslave you. The first one is that God recognizes their slavery. He says, I will bring you up From under the yoke of the Egyptians. He then gives them a promise that he'll set them free. I will free you from being slaves to them. What a beautiful promise. I will do this. I will free you from being slaves to them. He then gives them a sense of the process of the liberation he's about to bring in their lives. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. This is how I'm gonna do it, with an outstretched arm, always representing his power, his miracles, his might, and his judgment. And then he says, I'm gonna do this because I wanna form in you a new identity. Right now you have the identity in your hearts as slaves. I wanna now move you into a new identity. So he says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And then he says, this is in an order that you would find yourself at home with me. Find yourself in a new home where you'll be free to worship me. He says, and I will bring you to the land that I swore with uplifted hand to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession for I am the Lord. These five things are the five movements of any exodus. Slavery, promise, liberation, identity, home. And those are the five things that will lead you on your journey. Your journey will only begin when you're willing to be honest about the things that enslave you. Your journey will start when you believe the promises that God has for you. The promises that the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus has paid the price for. The promises that sit in the word of God and the spirit of God over your life. You will come free as you submit yourself to the process of liberation that God has for us through his word and through his spirit that is at work inside of us. And we will then shift in our identity no longer be something we were, but become something new. As Paul would say, when we come into Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And we will find this new identity where we are God's and God is ours. And we can then live out of that new identity powerfully as his hands and feet in the world. And that's the home that we've come to realize that our great goal as Christians is not to bungee jump out of here and, and go up onto a fluffy cloud and play harps for the rest of our lives. But the goal of us as Christians is to take the hope of home, of reconciliation and redemption and liberation and freedom and bring it to those who are also enslaved outside. To have the desire in us to see more and more people set free from the clutches of the enemy. Slavery, promise, liberation, identity, home. And as we go through this in this series, my, my prayer for you is that you would, you would find that flowing for yourself in your life as well. And God does this because he's, he's trying to change something. Exodus is about change. It's about the change that happens inside of us and then a change that happens in us as a community. See, the Exodus narrative is purposefully disruptive and subversive so that it can create and settle. Follow this. It is purposefully disruptive, disrupting us out of darkness, disrupting us out of our sin and our slavery and our brokenness so that it can create something new in us and settle us into that so that that becomes our identity and not our slavery before. We'll see in this series that the hard part was not getting Israel out of Egypt. The hard part was getting Egypt out of Israel. And that'll be your journey too. And as God subverts and disrupts the brokenness in our lives and pulls us out of it, he creates and settles us into something better and new. See, see the great hope of the Exodus is this overarching narrative that is found throughout. And it's this. There is a drawing out to draw in. Say that again. There's a drawing out to draw in. You see... This is really important that you get this, church. The goal of the Exodus narrative is not freedom. Freedom is not the goal. The goal is intimacy. You are pulled out of slavery, not just so that you can experience freedom. Paul would write, you're now free, so be free. What he's saying is freedom is not the end point. Freedom is designed to do something. Freedom is designed to put you in a place where you can now worship in an intimacy with God that perhaps you've never been able to worship before. The picture I had with everybody trying to worship, but with change between them, God releases us from our chains so that we can be even more intimate with him. We're drawn out so we can be drawn in. In fact, God says this to Moses in Exodus chapter three. We'll see this in a few weeks time at the burning bush. He says, the reason why I have compassion on my people who are enslaved, the reason why I want to deliver them out of their slavery is I want to bring them now into a new land so they can worship me. My great excitement for you as you start this series is that all of this is about your journey towards greater freedom in your life so that you might be able to worship Him. Worship Him in a way that perhaps you've never done before for the glory of Christ Jesus in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, in this city of Hong Kong, that we might see Exodus in us. Are you with me? There are two ways in which the writer of Exodus tries to communicate this journey. The first is through what I've already talked about, the idea of moving from this, this sense of something that is individual to something that's communal. And this is such a beautiful picture. Throughout the whole journey, it's not just about a change in a person. It's also about a change in a person in order to impact society, a, a change in a person in order to bring something better in society. God wants Israel's free of their slavery so that they would not enslave others in the future. So they would treat others better than how they had themselves been treated. And you need to understand that when you become a Christian, you're not just saved out of your sin, you're saved into the body of Christ. Come on, church. You're not just saved out of something, as if that's fine, and then it's all just your own individual journey. You're saved out in order to be placed in, into his community, the church. In all of its flaws, and all of its brokenness, and all of its messiness around the world, God decided to choose a community of people like this to change the world. So you're saved out in order to be saved in. And that in is so much greater than you'll ever be as an individual. We, I wanted to try to explain this to you by, by the little things that you would have been given on the way in. If you can... If you were given one of these tiles, there wasn't enough for everybody to get one. So you may not have gotten one. But if you did get one, I want you just to get it out now and hold it in your hand. It's just like a little mosaic tile like this. Just a little small tile. I I got these tiles actually in Amman in Jordan. Uh, Picked them up there uh, from a shop uh, that was about a two and a half hour drive away from the very place where Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. And these little pieces of tile are specifically from a mosaic shop. And when you look at a little mosaic tile like this, you think, this thing is not worth anything. This thing is like so small and kind of boring and doesn't look like much at all. And what's amazing is that the workers in these shops in Amman, they take thousands of these little stones and they place them perfectly in this incredible mosaic and create this incredible art piece. And that's exactly what God does in the process of Exodus, in the book of Exodus. He takes individual people and he brings them together into a story that's so much greater than they could ever hold themselves. And he forms them into a new nation that is so much greater than the one that was before. And he imprints on it his law, his character, his heart, so they would represent something, so that they combined together would be an image of him greater than they could ever image on their own. They were like little mosaic pieces that came together to create something much, much greater. And as you start your Exodus journey today, you're like a little piece of this tile because your story matters and who you are matters. And out of the thousands of mosaic tiles that get placed into these incredible artworks, if there's one stone missing, you notice it straight away. It's funny, when you look at these beautiful pieces of artwork, you always notice the flaws first rather than the beauty. Anybody resonate with that? When you look in the mirror? Yes. You see the flaws first before the beauty. Some of you never see the beauty. These mosaic tiles represent something of the movement from ourselves individually to ourselves communally. And if we can make a bit of that movement over these next 25 weeks, I think we're gonna see something grander here at the vine than we've ever seen before, amen? But there's another image that weaves its way through the pages of the Exodus, not just the individual becoming communal but also the language that's used in the Exodus narrative is all designed to link back to the language of Genesis chapters one and two. Because what the writer in the book of Exodus is trying to do is say that what God does for his people in this time is like a new creation. It's like God has started again the process of bringing a people to himself. And so the language evokes the imagery of the first moment of creation where darkness covered the whole world. And in that darkness, there was was formlessness, nothingness. But out of that darkness, God spoke something. He said, let there be light because God saw something that he wanted to create even in the formless of what was nothingness. And the author takes that imagery and he uses that language to speak of what God does with Israel in the Exodus. The darkness now, not being the darkness before creation, the darkness of brokenness in slavery, the darkness of evil, the darkness of empire. And that darkness, God sees and says, That's not what I want. That's formlessness. I'm going to take out of that darkness and I'm going to create something that's new light. Something that's new hope. I'm gonna create a new people, if you will. Like this new nation will come together again and I'll imprint my character on them and send them forward in something. And it's a creative moment. That's why when the Jewish people look back on this Exodus narrative, they hold it with such regard and such esteem because they see that God creates again using the Jewish people to show the world his love, his mercy, and his grace. And this idea of light becomes a central metaphor throughout the whole journey. God meets Moses in a burning bush, this incredible light that draws Moses to him, to his moment of redemption and renewal. God brings a, a cloud of fire on the top of Mount Sinai and draws all of Israel as a nation in their freedom around him to worship him. God then brings a pillar of fire in night to lead them in the desert so they can see the way to go in the future that they had in him. And then God brings the presence, the fiery, burning presence of his light into the tabernacle. Every time they set it up with the Ark of the Covenant and his presence there, bringing a light to his people at night. Light becomes this great hope for God's people. As they realize that they are on a journey, not just going out of Egypt into something new, but going out of their brokenness into something new. The overriding thought in the book of Exodus is that there is a darkness also at times in us. And God longs to bring his light where darkness currently is. The name Exodus is a Latin word, but it's derived from a Greek word, exodos, with an O on the end, exodos. And exodos literally means this, a departure. I love that. A departure. Because you need to understand that no journey in freedom has ever happened until you've made a point of departure. No journey of freedom ever happens until you start that journey yourself, until you start moving forward in that journey towards the light that you can see. See, the Exodus is a decision. Exodus is a departure from what is broken. It's like us drawing a line in the sand and saying, I don't want to carry those chains that are around my wrists anymore. I don't want to live with this habitual sin that has held me for 20 years. I don't want to stand anymore with the pain that I have and the brokenness from that relationship in the past. I don't want to carry anymore that baggage that's in me. I want to move forward. I'm making a decision to trust in the promise of God, to believe in his liberation, to receive his exodus so I can find a new home. I'm tired of the darkness in me. So I decide to move forward. Are you with me, church? That departure is exodus. It's the hope of change. It's the hope of renewal. It's like the Lord of the Rings where Samwise And Frodo have been called by Gandalf to go on this grand adventure. And they're walking in these fields and Samwise stops Frodo. And Frodo says, why are we stopping? And Samwise says, this is the place. I have never been further from home than right here. If I take one more step, I'm more away from home than I've ever been. And as he takes that step, he departs. And us today, that's what God's calling us to See, you can take the next 25 weeks and you can watch the nice films and you can feel entertained and you can learn a lot about the book of Exodus and you would have missed the point completely. Because this is about you. This is about your journey, our journey, dealing with some of the stuff that we probably need to deal with and dealt with a long time ago, it's our invitation to walk from darkness into light. So I want to invite you to do something. In a moment, I'm gonna show you another film. As part of the teaching films that we have throughout this series, we also have a number of points throughout the series, at like critical points in the five movements I explained earlier, where we actually show you a creative film. And these creative films are made by our team, and the creative films are designed to cause you to reflect To think, to feel something, to be able to bring the teaching from your head into your heart. And in a moment, I'm going to show you the first of these creative films. It's based on a poem that we wrote as a team, a poem that explains the journey that there is from darkness into light. And as I show this to you, I want want you to use this as a reflection piece for you. To begin to ask God, what is the thing that I need to depart from? What is my exodus? What is the thing that I need to depart from in this series? What is the thing you're calling out of me? What is the step I need to take? What is the darkness that I need to be honest about right here and now? So that I know that I have a point of departure to be able to move forward. Because it starts here. And I want to experience freedom, not just so that I would be free, but freedom so I would be intimate with him in a way that I've never been before. So as we watch this film, may it be a catalyst for you to being honest about some of the things that you're carrying today. Let's take a look.
0: It begins in the emptiness of nothingness. Where darkness has extinguished even the memory of light. Where nothingness and emptiness tear space into fragments and everything is nothing at all. It starts here. Where fear shackles and failure persists. Where slavery binds and oppression resists. It starts here. In the place you least expect. Suddenly, a light. Dancing to be noticed within the empire of darkness, crackling with beginnings, restless with life, as if the emptiness had simply been waiting for divine direction. It starts here. Shadows now play against the walls of death. Movement and memory and miracles and might breaking into nothingness with the heresy of possibility, shaming the darkness with the creation of hope it starts here a drawing out a calling forth a voice in the wilderness a wilderness of voices whispers of freedom bushes on fire a journey beyond ascending to glory it starts here in the emptiness of nothingness in the slavery and oppression in the fear and the failure in the pharaohs in us all may you see what heaven is stirring for a light has come, and a light is coming. Death now dead, bushes now burning. Yes, a light has come, and a light is coming. Death now dead, bushes now burning.
1: wonder if I can invite you to stand. I want to pray for you.